0: THE BOOK OF A THOUSAND NIGHTS AND A NIGHT Volume 1 This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For further information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org THE BOOK OF A THOUSAND NIGHTS AND A NIGHT Volume 1 Translated by Richard Burton THE Nazarene BROKER'S STORY O King of the age, I came to this thy country with merchandise, and destiny stayed me here with you. But my place of birth was Cairo, in Egypt, where I also was brought up, for I am one of the Copts, and my father was a broker before me. When I came to man's estate, he departed this life, and I succeeded to his business. One day, as I was sitting in my shop, behold, there came up to me a youth as handsome as could be, wearing sumptuous raiment and riding a fine ass. When he saw me, he saluted me, and I stood up to do him honour. Then he took out a kerchief, containing a sample of sesame, and asked, How much is this worth per Adab? Whereto, I answered, A hundred dirhams. Quoth he, Take porters and gauges and meatsmen, and come to-morrow to the Khan al Jawi." "'by the gate of victory quarter, "'where thou wilt find me.' "'Then he fared forth, "'leaving me with the sample of sesame "'in his kerchief, "'and I went the round of my customers, "'and ascertained that every adab "'would fetch a hundred and twenty dirhams. "'Next day I took four meatsmen "'and walked with them to the Khan, "'where I found him awaiting me. "'As soon as he saw me, "'he rose and opened his magazine, "'when we measured the grain "'till the store was empty.' AND WE FOUND THE CONTENTS FIFTY ARDABS, MAKING FIVE THOUSAND PIECES OF SILVER. THEN SAID HE, LET TEN DIRHAMS ON EVERY ARDAB BE THY BROKERAGE. SO TAKE THE PRICE, AND KEEP IN DEPOSIT FOUR THOUSAND AND FIVE HUNDRED DIRHAMS FOR ME, AND WHEN I HAVE MADE AN END OF SELLING THE OTHER wares IN MY WAREHOUSES, I WILL COME TO THEE, AND RECEIVE THE AMOUNT. I WILL WELL, REPLIED I, AND KISSING HIS HAND, WENT AWAY having made that day a profit of a thousand dirhams. He was absent a month, at the end of which he came to me and asked, Where be the dirhams? I rose and saluted him, and answered to him, Wilt thou not eat somewhat in my house? But he refused, with the remark, Get the monies ready, and I will presently return and take them. Then he rode away. So I brought out the dirhams, and sat down to await him. But he stayed away for another month, when he came back and said to me, "'Where be the dirhams?' I rose, and saluting him, asked, "'Wilt thou not eat something in my house?' But he again refused, adding, "'Get me the money's ready, and I will presently return and take them.' Then he rode off. So I brought out the dirhams, and sat down to await his return. But he stayed away from me a third month, and I said, Verily, this young man is liberality in incarnate form. At the end of the month he came up, riding a mere mule, and wearing a suit of sumptuous raiment. He was as the moon on the night of fullness, and he seemed as if fresh from the baths, with his cheeks rosy bright, and his brow flower-white, and a mole-spot like a grain of ambergris delighting the sight, even as was said of such an one by the poet, Full moon with sun in single mansion, In brightest sheen and fortune rose and shone, With happy splendour changing every sprite, Hail to what guerdon's prayer with blissful boon! Their charms and grace have gained perfection's height, All hearts have conquered, and all wits have won. Lord to the Lord, for works so wonder-strange! and what the Almighty wills his hand hath done. When I saw him, I rose to him, and, invoking blessings on him, asked, O my Lord, wilt thou not take thy monies? Whence the hurry, quoth he? Wait till I have made an end of my business, and then I will come and take them. Again he rode away, and I said to myself, By Allah, when he comes next time, needs must I make him my guest, for I have traded with his dirhams, and have gotten large gains thereby. At the end of the year he came again, habited in a suit of clothes more sumptuous than the former, and when I conjured him by the evangel to alight at my house, and eat of my guest food, he said, I consent, on condition, that what thou expendest on me shall be of my money's still in thy hand. I answered, So be it and made him sit down, whilst I got ready what was needful of meat and drink, and else besides, and set the tray before him, with the invitation, "'Bismillah!' Then he drew near the tray, and put out his left hand, and ate with me, and I marvelled at his not using the right hand. When we had done eating, I poured water on his hand, and gave him wherewith to wipe it. Upon this we sat down to converse, after I had set before him some sweetmeats, And I said to him, O my master, prithee relieve me by telling me why thou eatest with thy left hand. Perchance something aileth thy other hand. When he heard my words, he repeated these verses. Dear friend, ask not what burneth in my breast, lest thou see fiery pangs I never saw. Wills not, my heart, to harbour Salma instead of Lila's love, but need hath ne'er a law and he put out his right arm from his sleeve, and behold, the hand was cut off, a wrist without a fist. I was astounded at this, but he said, Marvel not, and think not that I ate with my left hand for conceit and insolence, but from necessity, and the cutting off my right hand was caused by an adventure of the strangest. Asked I, and what caused it? And he answered, KNOW THAT I AM OF THE SONS OF BAGHDAD, AND MY FATHER WAS OF NOTABLES OF THAT CITY. WHEN I CAME TO MAN'S ESTATE, I HEARD THE PILGRIMS AND WAYFARERS, TRAVELERS AND MERCHANTS, TALK OF THE LAND OF EGYPT, AND THEIR WORDS SANK DEEP INTO MY MIND, TILL MY PARENT DIED, WHEN I TOOK A LARGE SUM OF MONEY, AND FURNISHED MYSELF FOR TRADE WITH STUFFS OF BAGHDAD AND MOSUL, AND PACKING THEM UP IN BALES, SET OUT ON MY WANDERINGS and Allah decreed me safety till I entered this your city. Then he wept and began repeating, The blear-eyed scapes the pit wherein the lynx-eyed fall, a word the wise man slays and saves the natural. The Muslim fails of food, the kafir feasts in hall, what art or act is man's? God's will obligeth all. Now, when he had ended his verse, he said, So I entered Cairo, and took off my loads, and stored my stuffs in the Khan al-Mas. Then I gave the servant a few silvers wherewith to buy me some food, and lay down to sleep a while. When I awoke, I went to the street called Bain al-Kazrain, between the two palaces, and presently returned, and rested my night in the Khan. When it was morning, I opened a bale, and took out some stuff, saying to myself, "'I will be off and go through some of the bazaars "'and see the state of the market.' "'So I loaded the stuff on some of my slaves "'and fared forth till I reached the Kaisaria "'or Exchange of Jaharkas, "'where the brokers who knew of my coming came to meet me. "'They took the stuffs and cried them for sale, "'but could not get the prime cost of them. "'I was vexed at this. "'However the shaykh of the brokers said to me, "'O my lord!' I will tell thee how thou mayest make a profit of thy goods. Thou shouldest do as the merchants do, and sell thy merchandise at credit for a fixed period, on a contract drawn up by a notary and duly witnessed, and employ a shroff to take thy dues every Monday and Thursday. So shalt thou gain two dirhams and more for every one, and thou shalt solace and divert thyself by seeing Cairo and the Nile. Quoth I, this is sound advice, and carried the brokers to the Khan. They took my stuffs and went with them on change, where I sold them well, taking bonds for the value. These bonds I deposited with a shroff, a banker, who gave me a receipt with which I returned to the Khan. Here I stayed a whole month, every morning breaking my fast with a cup of wine, and making my meals on pigeon's meat, mutton and sweetmeats, till the time came when my receipts began to fall due. So, every Monday and Thursday, I used to go on change and sit in the shop of one or other of the merchants, whilst the notary and money-changer went round to recover the monies from the traders, till after the time of mid-afternoon prayer, when they brought me the amount, and I counted it, and, sealing the bags, returned with them to the Khan. On a certain day, which happened to be a Monday, I went to the Hammam, and thence back to my Khan, and sitting in my own room broke my fast with a cup of wine, after which I slept a little. When I awoke I ate a chicken, and perfuming my person, repaired to the shop of a merchant Haidt al Bost, or the gardener, who welcomed me, and we sat talking a while till the bazaar should open. Presently, behold, up came a lady of stately figure, wearing a headdress of the most magnificent, perfumed with the sweetest of scents, and walking with graceful swaying gait, and seeing me she raised her mantilla, allowing me a glimpse of her beautiful black eyes. She saluted Badr who returned her salutation, and stood up and talked with her, and the moment I heard her speak, the love of her got hold of my heart.' Presently she said to ad-Din, "Hast thou by thee a cut piece of stuff woven with thread of pure gold?" So he brought out to her a piece from those he had bought of me and sold it to her for one thousand two hundred dirhams. When she said, "I will take the piece home with me and send thee its price," that is impossible, O my lady," the merchant replied. For here is the owner of the stuff, and I owe him a share of profit. "'Fie upon thee!" she cried. "'do I not use to take from thee entire rolls of costly stuff "'and give thee a greater profit than thou expectest, "'and send thee the money?' "'Yes,' rejoined he, "'but I stand in pressing need of the price this very day.' "'Hereupon she took up the piece and threw it back upon his lap, "'saying, Out on thee! "'Allah confound the tribe of you "'which estimates nothing at the right value.' "'And she turned to go. "'I felt my very soul going with her, "'So I stood up and stayed her, saying, "'I conjure thee by the Lord, O my lady. favour me by retracing thy gracious steps.' "'She turned back with a smile and said, "'For thy sake I return,' "'and took a seat opposite me in the shop. "'Then quoth I to Badraddin, is the price they ask thee for this piece?' "'And quoth he, eleven hundred dirhams.' "'I rejoined, "'The odd hundred shall be thy profit. "'Bring me a sheet of paper.' and I will write thee a discharge for it. Then I wrote him a receipt in my own handwriting, and gave the piece to the lady, saying, Take it away with thee, and if thou wilt, bring me its price next bazaar day, or, better still, accept it as my guest gift to thee. Allah requite thee with good, answered she, and make thee my husband and lord and master of all I have. And Allah favoured her prayer, I saw the gates of paradise swing open before me, and said, O my lady, let this piece of stuff be now thine, and another like it is ready for thee. Only let me have one look at thy face. So she raised her veil, and I saw a face, the sight of which bequeathed to me a thousand sighs, and my heart was so captivated by her love that I was no longer ruler of my reason. Then she let fall her face veil, and taking up the piece of staff, said, O my Lord, make me not desolate by thine absence, and turned away and disappeared from my sight. I remained sitting on change till past the hour of afternoon prayer, lost to the world by the love which had mastered me, and the violence of my passion compelled me to make inquiries concerning her of the merchant, who answered me, "'This is a lady and a rich. "'She is the daughter of a certain emir who lately died "'and left her a large fortune. "'Then I took leave of him and returned home to the Khan, "'where they set supper before me. "'But I could not eat for thinking of her, "'and when I lay down to sleep, sleep came not near me. "'So I watched till morning when I arose "'and donned a change of raiment and drank a cup of wine.' and after breaking my fast on some slight matter, I went to the merchant's shop where I saluted him, and sat down by him. Presently up came the lady as usual, followed by a slave-girl, and wearing a dress more sumptuous than before, and she saluted me without noticing Badr din and said in fluent graceful speech, "'Never heard I voice softer or sweeter,' "'Send one with me to take the thousand and two hundred dirhams, "'the price of the piece. "'Why, this hurry?' asked I, and she answered, "'May we never lose thee,' and handed me the money. "'Then I sat talking with her, and presently I signed to her in dumb show, "'whereby she understood that I longed to enjoy her person, "'and she rose up in haste with a show of displeasure.' My heart clung to her, and I went forth from the bazaar and followed on her track. As I was walking, suddenly a black slave girl stopped me and said, O oh, my master, come speak with my mistress. At this I was surprised and replied, There is none who knows me here. But she rejoined, O oh, my lord, how soon hast thou forgotten her? My lady is the same who was this day at the shop of such a merchant. Then I went with her to the Shroffs, where I found the lady, who drew me to her side, and said, O my beloved, thine image is firmly stamped upon my fancy, and love of thee hath gotten hold of my heart. From the hour I first saw thee, nor sleep, nor food, nor drink hath given me aught of pleasure. I replied, The double of that suffering is mine, and my state dispenseth me from complaint. Then said she, O oh, my beloved, at thy house or at mine? I am a stranger here, and have no place of reception save the Khan, so, by thy favour, it shall be at thy house. So be it. But this is Friday night, and nothing can be done till tomorrow after public prayers. Go to the mosque and pray. Then mount thine ass, and ask for the Habia quarter, and when there, look out for the mansion of Annakib Barak.' popularly known as Abu Shih the Syndic, for I live there, so do not delay, as I shall be expecting thee. I rejoiced with still greater joy at this, and took leave of her, and returned to my Khan, where I passed a sleepless night. Hardly was I assured that morning had dawned when I rose, changed my dress, perfumed myself with essences and sweet scents, and taking fifty dinars in a kerchief Went from the Khan Mas to the zawaila Gate, where I mounted an ass, and said to its owner, Take me to the Habaniya. So he set off with me, and brought up in the twinkling of an eye at a street known as Darbal Munkari, where I said to him, Go in and ask for the syndic's mansion. He was absent a awhile, and then returned, and said, Alight Go thou before me to the house, quoth I, adding, Come back with the earliest light, and bring me home. And he answered, In Allah's name. Whereupon I gave him a quarter dinar of gold, and he took it, and went his ways. Then I knocked at the door, and out came two white slave-girls, both young, high-bosomed virgins, as they were moons, and said to me, Enter, for our mistress is expecting thee, and she hath not slept the night long for her delight in thee. I passed through the vestibule into a saloon with seven doors, floored with party-coloured marbles, and furnished with curtains and hangings of coloured silks. The ceiling was cloisonné with gold and corniced with inscriptions, emblazoned in lapis lazuli, and the walls were stuccoed with salty gypsum, which mirrored the beholder's face. Around the saloon were latticed windows, overlooking a garden full of all manner of fruits whose streams were railing and riffling, and whose birds were trilling and shrilling, and in the heart of the hall was a jetting fountain, at whose corners stood birds fashioned in red gold, crusted with pearls and gems, and spouting water crystal clear. When I entered and took a seat, and Shahrazad perceived the dawn of the day, and ceased saying her permitted say, When it was the twenty-sixth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the young merchant continued. When I entered and took a seat, the lady at once came in, crowned with a diadem of pearls and jewels, her face dotted with artificial moles in indigo, her eyebrows pencilled with coal, and her hands and feet reddened with henna. When she saw me, she smiled in my face, and took me to her embrace, and clasped me to her breast. Then she put her mouth to my mouth, and sucked my tongue, and I did likewise, and said, Can it be true, O my little darkling, thou art come to me? Adding, Welcome and good cheer to thee. By Allah, from the day I saw thee, sleep hath not been sweet to me, nor hath food been pleasant. Quoth I, SUCH HATH ALSO BEEN MY CASE, AND I AM THY SLAVE, THY NEGRO SLAVE. THEN WE SAT DOWN TO CONVERSE, AND I HUNG MY HEAD EARTHWARDS IN BASHFULNESS. BUT SHE DELAYED NOT LONG, ERE SHE SET BEFORE ME A TRAY OF THE MOST EXQUISITE viands, MARINATED MEATS, FRITTERS SOAKED IN BEES' HONEYS, AND CHICKENS STUFFED WITH SUGAR AND PISTACHIO-NUTS, WHEREOF WE ATE TILL WE WERE SATISFIED. Then they brought basin and ewer, and I washed my hands, and we scented ourselves with rose water, musked, and sat down again to converse. Then she began repeating these couplets: Had we wist of thy coming, thy way had been strewn with the blood of our heart and the balls of our sight; our cheek as a footcloth to greet thee been thrown, that thy step on our eyelids should softly alight and she kept plaining of what had befallen her, and I of what had betided me, and love of her got so firm hold of my heart, that all my wealth seemed a thing of naught in comparison with her. Then we fell to toying, and groping, and kissing till nightfall, when the handmaidens set before us meats and a complete wine service, and we sat carousing till the noon of night, when we lay down and I lay with her, "'Never in my life saw I a night like that night. "'When morning morrowed, I arose and took leave of her, "'throwing under the carpet-bed the kerchief wherein were the dinars, "'and as I went out she wept and said, "'Oh, my Lord, when shall I look upon that lovely face again?' "'I will be with thee at sunset,' answered I, "'and going out found the donkey-boy, who had brought me the day before, "'awaiting at the door.' So I mounted Ass, and rode to the Khan of Masrur, where I alighted, and gave the man a half dinar, saying, Return at sunset, and he said, I will. Then I breakfasted, and went out to seek the price of my stuffs, after which I returned, and taking a roast lamb and some sweetmeats, called a porter, and put the provision in his crate, and sent it to the lady, paying the man his hire. I went back to my business till sunset, when the ass-driver came to me, and I took fifty dinars in a kerchief, and rode to her house, where I found the marble floor swept, the brasses burnished, the branch lights burning, the wax candles ready-lighted, the meat served up, and the wine strained. When my lady saw me, she threw her arms about my neck, and cried, "'Thou hast desolated me by thine absence.' Then she set the tables before me, and we ate till we were satisfied. When the slave girls carried off the trays and served up wine, we gave not over drinking till half the night was past. And being well warmed with drink, we went to the sleeping chamber and lay there till morning. I then arose and fared forth from her, leaving the fifty dinars with her as before. And finding the donkey boy at the door, rode to the khan and slept a while. After that I went out to make ready the evening meal and took a brace of geese with gravy on two platters of dressed and peppered rice and got ready colocasia roots fried and soaked in honey and wax candles and fruits and conserves and nuts and almonds and sweet-scented cowers and I sent them all to her. As soon as it was night I again tied up fifty dinars in a kerchief and mounting the ass as usual "'rode to the mansion where we ate and drank and lay together till morning "'when I threw the kerchief and dinars to her and rode back to the khan. "'I ceased not doing after that fashion till, after a sweet night, "'I woke one fine morning and found myself beggared, dinarless and dirhamless. "'So I said to myself, all this be Satan's work, and began to recite these couplets.' Poverty dims the sheen of man, whate'er his wealth has been. E'en as the sun about to set shines with a yellowing light. Absent he falls from memory, forgotten by his friends. Present he shareth not their joys, for none in him delight. He walks the market shunned of all, too glad to hide his head. In desert places tears he sheds, and moans his bitter plight. By Allah, mid his kith and kin, a man, however good, waylaid by want and penury is but a stranger white. I fared forth from the khan and walked down between the palaces street till I came to the Zuwaila port where I found the people crowding and the gateway blocked for the much folk and by the decree of destiny I saw there a trooper against whom I pressed unintentionally so that my hand came upon his bosom pocket and I felt a purse inside it. I looked, and seeing a string of green silk hanging from the pocket, knew it for a purse, and the crush grew greater every minute, and just then a camel laden with a load of fuel happened to jostle the trooper on the opposite side, and he turned round to fend it off from him, lest it tear his clothes, and Satan tempted me, so I pulled the string and drew out a little bag of blue silk containing something which chinked like coin.' But the soldier, feeling his pocket suddenly lightened, put his hand to it and found it empty, whereupon he turned to me, and snatching up his mace from his saddle-bow, struck me with it on the head. I fell to the ground, whilst the people came round us, and seizing the trooper's mare by the bridle, said to him, "'Strikest thou this youth such a blow as this for a mere push?' But the trooper cried out at them, "'This fellow is an accursed thief.' Whereupon I came to myself, and stood up, and the people looked at me and said, Nay, he is a comely youth, he would not steal anything. And some of them took my part, and others were against me, and question and answer waxed loud and warm. The people pulled at me, and would have rescued me from his clutches, but, as fate decreed, behold, the governor, the chief of police, and the watch entered the Zuwila gate at this moment, and seeing the people gathered together around me and the soldier, the governor asked, "'What is the matter?' "'By Allah, O oh emir!' answered the trooper. "'This is a thief. "'I had in my pocket a purse of blue silk "'lined with twenty good gold pieces, "'and he took it whilst I was in the crush.' "'Quoth the governor, "'Was one by thee at the time?' "'And quoth the soldier, "'No.' "'Thereupon the governor cried out to the chief of police, "'who seized me, "'and on this wise the curtain of the Lord's protection "'was withdrawn from me.' Then he said, Strip him, and when they stripped me, they found the purse in my clothes. The wali took it, opened it, and counted it, and finding in it twenty dinars, as the soldier had said, waxed exceeding wrath, and bade his guard bring me before him. Then said he to me, Now, O youth, speak truly, didst thou steal this purse? At this I hung my head to the ground, and said to myself, If I deny having stolen it, I should get myself into terrible trouble. So I raised my head and said, Yes, I took it. When the governor heard these words, he wondered and summoned witnesses who came forward and attested my confession. All this happened at the Zawila gate. Then the governor ordered the link-bearer to cut off my right hand, and he did so, after which he would have struck off my left foot also. But the heart of the soldier softened, and he took pity on me, and interceded for me with the governor, that I should not be slain. Thereupon the wali left me, and went away, and the folk remained round me, and gave me a cup of wine to drink. As for the trooper, he pressed the purse upon me, and said, Thou art a comely youth, and it befitteth not thou be a thief. So I repeated these verses. I swear by Allah's name, fair sir, no thief was I, nor, O oh thou best of men, was I a bandit bred. But fortune's change and chance o'erthrew me suddenly, and cark and care and penury my course misled. I shot it not, indeed, twas Allah shot the shaft, that rolled in dust the kingly diadem from my head. The soldier turned away after giving me the purse, and I also went my ways, having wrapped my hand in a piece of rag, and thrust it into my bosom. My whole semblance had changed, and my colour had waxed yellow from the shame and pain which had befallen me. Yet I went on to my mistress's house, where, in extreme perturbation of spirit, I threw myself down on the carpet bed. She saw me in this state, and asked me, "'What aileth thee, and why do I see thee, so changed in looks?' And I answered, "'My head paineth me, and I am far from well.' Whereupon she was vexed, and was concerned on my account, and said, Burn not my heart, O my lord, but sit up, and raise thy head, and recount to me what hath happened to thee to-day, for thy face tells me a tale. Leave this talk, replied I. But she wept, and said, Meseems thou art tired of me, for I see thee contrary to thy want. But I was silent, and she kept on talking to me, albeit I gave her no answer, till the night came on. Then she set food before me, but I refused it, fearing lest she see me eating with my left hand, and said to her, I have no stomach to eat at present. Quoth she, Tell me what hath befallen thee to day, and why art thou so sorrowful and broken in spirit and heart. Quoth I, Wait a while, I will tell thee all at my leisure. Then she brought me wine, saying, Down with it, this will dispel thy grief. Thou must indeed drink, and tell me of thy tidings. I asked her, Perforce must I tell thee? And she answered, Yes. Then said I, If it needs must be so, then give me to drink with thine own hand. She filled, and drank, and filled again, and gave me the cup, which I took from her with my left hand, and wiped the tears from my eyelids, and began repeating, When Allah willeth aught befall a man, who hath of ears, and eyes, and wits full share, "'His ears he deafens, and his eyes he blinds, "'and draws his wits e'en as we draw a hair. Till having wrought his purpose, he restores "'man's wits that warned more circumspect he fare. "'When I ended my verses, I wept, "'and she cried out with an exceeding loud cry, "'What is the cause of thy tears? "'Thou burnest my heart. "'What makes thee take the cup with thy left hand?' Quoth I, truly I have on my right hand a boil, and quoth she, put it out, and I will open it for thee. It is not yet time to open it, I replied, so worry me not with thy words, for I will not take it out of the bandage at this hour. Then I drank off the cup, and she gave not over plying me with drink, until drunkenness overcame me, and I fell asleep in the place where I was sitting. Whereupon she looked at my right hand, and saw a wrist without a fist. So she searched me closely, and found with me the purse of gold, and my severed hand wrapped up in the bit of rag. With this such sorrow came upon her as never overcame any, and she ceased not lamenting on my account till the morning. When I awoke I found that she had dressed me a dish of broth of four boiled chickens, which she brought to me together with a cup of wine. I ate and drank, and laying down the purse, would have gone out, but she said to me, "'Whither away?' "'And I answered, "'Where my business calleth me?' "'And said she, "'Thou shalt not go. "'Sit thee down.' "'So I sat down, "'and she resumed, "'Hath thy love for me "'so overpowered thee "'that thou hast wasted "'all thy wealth "'and hast lost thy hand "'on my account? "'I take thee to witness "'against me, "'and also Allah be my witness "'that I will never part with thee, "'but will die under thy feet. "'And soon thou shalt see "'that my words are true.' Then she sent for the kazi and witnesses, and said to them, "'Write my contract of marriage with this young man, "'and bear ye witness that I have received the marriage settlement.' When they had drawn up the document, she said, "'Be witness that all my monies which are in this chest, "'and all I have in slaves and handmaidens and other property, "'is given in free gift to this young man.' So they took act of this statement, "'enabling me to assume possession in right of marriage.' and then withdrew after receiving their fees. Thereupon she took me by the hand, and leading me to a closet, opened a large chest, and said to me, See what is herein. And I looked, and behold, it was full of kerchiefs. Quoth she, This is the money I had from thee, and every kerchief thou gavest me, containing fifty dinars, I wrapped up and cast into this chest. So now take thine own, for it returns to thee, "'and this day thou art become of high estate. "'Fortune and fate afflicted thee so "'that thou didst lose thy right hand for my sake, "'and I can never requite thee. "'Nay, although I gave my life, twere but little, and I should still remain thy debtor.' "'Then she added, "'Take charge of thy property.' "'So I transferred the contents of her chest to my chest, "'and added my wealth to her wealth which I had given her, and my heart was eased, and my sorrow ceased. I stood up and kissed her and thanked her, and she said, Thou hast given thy hand for the love of me, and how am I able to give thee an equivalent? By Allah, if I offered my life for thy love, it were indeed but little, and would not do justice to thy claim upon me. Then she made over to me by deed all that she possessed in clothes and ornaments of gold and pearls and goods and farms and chattels and lay not down to sleep that night being sorely grieved for my grief till I told her the whole of what had befallen me. I passed the night with her but before we had lived together a month's time she fell sorely sick and illness increased upon her by reason of her grief for the loss of my hand and she endured but fifty days before she was numbered among the folk of futurity and the heirs of immortality. So I laid her out and buried her body in Mother Earth, and let make a pious perfection of the Qur'an for the health of her soul, and gave much money in arms for her, after which I turned me from the grave and returned to the house. There I found that she had left much substance in ready money and slaves, mansions, lands and domains, and among her storehouse was a granary of sesame-seed, whereof I sold part to thee, and I had neither time nor inclination to take count with thee, till I had sold the rest of the stock in store, nor indeed even now have I made an end of receiving the price. So I desire thou balk me not in what I am about to say to thee. Twice have I eaten of thy food, and I wish to give thee as a present the monies for the sesame which are by thee. Such is the cause of the cutting off of my right hand, and my eating with my left. Indeed, said I, thou hast shown me the utmost kindness and liberality. Then he asked me, Why shouldst thou not travel with me to my native country, whither I am about to return with Kyrene and Alexandrian stuffs? Say me, wilt thou accompany me? And I answered, I will. So I agreed to go with him at the head of the month and I sold all I had, and bought other merchandise. Then we set out and travelled, I and the young man, to this country of yours, where he sold his venture, and bought other investment of country stuffs, and continued his journey to Egypt. But it was my lot to abide here, so that these things befell me in my strangerhood, which befell last night. And is not this tale, O King of the Age, more wondrous and marvellous than the story of the hunchback, Not so, quoth the king, I cannot accept it. There is no help for it, but you be hanged, every one of you. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of the day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the twenty-seventh night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the king of China declared, There is no help for it, but you be hanged, the reeve of the sultan's kitchen came forward and said, if thou permit me, I will tell thee a tale of what befell me just before I found this gobble, and if it be more wondrous than his story, do thou grant us our lives? And when the king answered, Yes, he began to recount The Reeves' Tale Know, O king, that last night I was at a party where they made a perfection of the Koran and got together doctors of law and religion skilled in recitation and intoning, and when the readers ended, The table was spread, and amongst other things they set before us was a marinated ragout, flavoured with cumin-seed. So we sat down, but one of our number held back and refused to touch it. We conjured him to eat of it, but he swore he would not, and when we again pressed him he said, Be not instant with me, sufficeth me that which hath already befallen me through eating it. And he began reciting, Shoulder thy tray, and go straight to thy goal." And if suit thee this coal, why use this coal? When he ended his verse, we said to him, Allah upon thee, tell us thy reason for refusing to eat of the cumin ragu. If so it be, he replied, and needs must I eat of it, I will not do so except I wash my hand forty times with soap, forty times with potash, and forty times with gallangale, the total being one hundred and twenty washings. Thereupon the hospitable host bade his slaves bring water and whatso he required, and the young man washed his hand as aforementioned. Then he sat down, as if disgusted and frightened withal, and dipping his hand in the ragout, began eating, and at the same time showing signs of anger. And we wondered at him with extreme wonderment for his hand trembled, and the morsel in it shook, and we saw that his thumb had been cut off, and he ate with his four fingers only. So we said to him, Allah upon thee, what happened to thy thumb? Is thy hand thus by the creation of God, or hath some accident befallen it? O my brothers, he answered, it is not only thus with this thumb, but also with my other thumb, and with both my great toes, as you shall see. So saying, he uncovered his left hand and his feet, and we saw that the left hand was even as the right, and in like manner that each of his feet lacked its great toe. When we saw him after this fashion, our amazement waxed still greater, and we said to him, We have hardly patience enough to await thy history, and to hear the manner of the cutting off of thy thumbs, and the reason of thy washing both hands one hundred and twenty times.' Know then, said he, that my father was chief of the merchants, and the wealthiest of them all in Baghdad city, during the reign of the caliph Harun al-Rashid, and he was much given to wine drinking, and listening to the lute, and other instruments of plaisance, so that when he died, he left nothing. I buried him, and had perfections of the Quran made for him, and mourned him days and nights. Then I opened his shop, and found that he had left in it few goods, while his debts were many. However, I compounded with his creditors for time to settle their demands, and betook myself to buying and selling, paying them something from week to week on account. And I gave not over doing this, till I had cleared off his obligations in full, and began adding to my principal. One day, as I sat in my shop, suddenly and unexpectedly, there appeared before me a young lady, than whom I never saw a fairer, wearing the richest raiment and ornaments, and riding a she-mule, with one negro slave walking before her, and another behind her. She drew rein at the head of the exchange bazaar, and entered, followed by a eunuch, who said to her, O my lady, come out and away without telling anyone, lest thou light a fire which will burn us all up. Moreover, he stood before her, guarding her from view, whilst she looked at the merchant's shops. She found none open but mine, so she came up with the eunuch behind her, and sitting down in my shop, saluted me. Never heard I aught fairer than her speech, or sweeter than her voice. Then she unveiled her face, and I saw that she was like the moon, and I stole a glance at her, whose sight caused me a thousand sighs, and my heart was captivated with love of her, and I kept looking again and again upon her face, repeating these verses. Say to the charmer in the dove-hued veil, Death would be welcome to abate thy bale. Favour me with thy favours that I live, See I stretch forth my palm to take thy veil. When she heard my verse, she answered me, saying, I have lost all patience by despite of you, My heart knows nothing save love plight to you. If aught I sight save charm so bright of you, My parting end not in the sight of you. I swear I'll ne'er forget the right of you, And fain this breast would soar to height of you. You made me drain the love cup, And I leaf a love cup tender for delight of you. Take this my form where'er you go, And when you die entomb me in the sight of you. Call on me in my grave, and hear my bones. Sigh their responses to the shrite of you. And were I asked, Of God what wouldst thou see? I answer, First his will, then thy decree. When she ended her verse, she asked me, O youth, hast thou any fair stuffs by thee? And I answered, O my lady, thy slave is poor, but have patience till the merchants open their shops, and I will suit thee with what thou wilt. Then we sat talking, I and she, and I was drowned in the sea of her love, dazed in the desert of my passion for her, till the merchants opened their shops, when I rose and fetched her all she sought to the tune of five thousand dirhams. She gave the stuff to the eunuch, and, going forth by the door of the exchange, she mounted mule and went away, without telling me whence she came, and I was ashamed to speak of such trifle. When the merchants dunned me for the price, I made myself answerable for five thousand dirhams, and went home drunken with the love of her. They set supper before me, and I ate a mouthful, thinking only of her beauty and loveliness, and sought to sleep, but sleep came not to me. And such was my condition for a whole week, when the merchants required their monies of me, but I persuaded them to have patience for another week, at the end of which time she again appeared mounted on a she-mule, and attended by her eunuch and her two slaves. She saluted me and said, O my master, we have been long in bringing thee the price of the stuffs, but now fetch the shroff and take thy monies. So I sent for the money-changer, and the eunuch counted out the coin before him, and made it over to me. Then we sat talking, I and she, till the market opened, when she said to me, Get me this and that, So I got her from the merchants whatso she wanted, and she took it and went away, without saying a word to me about the price. As soon as she was out of sight, I repented me of what I had done, for the worth of the stuffs bought for her amounted to a thousand dinars, and I said in my soul, What manner of love is this? She hath brought me five thousand dirhams, and hath taken goods for a thousand dinars. I feared lest I should be beggared through having to pay the merchants their money, and I said, They know none other but me. This lovely lady is naught but a cheat and a swindler, who hath diddled me with her beauty and grace, for she saw that I was a mere youth, and laughed at me for not asking her address. I ceased not to be troubled by these doubts and fears, as she was absent more than a month, till the merchants pestered me for their money, and were so hard upon me— that I put up my property for sale and stood on the very brink of ruin. However, as I was sitting in my shop one day, drowned in melancholy musings, she suddenly rode up, and dismounting at the bazaar gate, came straight towards me. When I saw her, all my cares fell from me, and I forgot every trouble. She came close up to me, and greeted me with her sweet voice and pleasant speech, and presently said, "'Fetch me the shroff and weigh thy money.' So she gave me the price of what goods I had gotten for her, and more, and fell to talking freely with me, till I was like to die of joy and delight. Presently she asked me, Hast thou a wife? And I answered, No, indeed, I have never known woman, and began to shed tears. Quoth she, Why weepest thou? Quoth I, It is nothing. Then, giving the eunuch some of the gold pieces, I begged him to be go-between in the matter, but he laughed, and said, "'She is more in love with thee than thou with her. "'She hath no occasion for the stuff she hath bought of thee, "'and did all this only for love of thee. "'So ask of her what thou wilt, and she will deny thee nothing.' "'When she saw me giving the dinars to the eunuch, "'she returned and sat down again, and I said to her, "'Be charitable to thy slave, and pardon him what he is about to say.' "'Then I told her what was in my mind, "'and she assented and said to the eunuch, "'Thou shalt carry my message to him, "'adding to me, "'And do thou whatso the eunuch biddeth thee. "'Then she got up and went away, "'and I paid the merchants their monies, "'and they all profited. "'But as for me, "'regret at the breaking off of our intercourse "'was all my gain, "'and I slept not the whole of that night. "'However, before many days passed, "'her eunuch came to me, and I entreated him honourably and asked him after his mistress. Truly she is sick with love of thee, he replied, and I rejoined, Tell me who and what she is. Quoth he, The lady Zubaydah, queen consort of Harun al Rashid, brought her up as a reeling and hath advanced her to be stewardess of the harim and gave her the right of going in and out of her own sweet will. She spoke to her lady of thee and begged her to marry her to thee. But she said, I will not do this till I see the young man, and if he be worthy of thee, I will marry thee to him. So now we look for the moment to smuggle thee into the palace, and if thou succeed in entering privily, thou wilt win thy wish to wed her. But if the affair get win, the lady Zubaydah will strike off thy head. What sayest thou to this? I answered, I will go with thee, and abide the risk whereof thou speakest. Then said he, "'As soon as it is night, go to the mosque built by the Lady Zubaida on the Tigris, "'and pray the night prayers, and sleep there. "'With love and gladness!' cried I. "'So at nightfall I repaired to the mosque, where I prayed and passed the night. "'With the earliest dawn, behold, came sundry eunuchs in a skiff with a number of empty chests, "'which they deposited in the mosque. "'Then all of them went their ways but one.' and looking curiously at him, I saw he was our go-between. Presently in came the handmaiden, my mistress, walking straight up to us, and I rose to her and embraced her while she kissed me and shed tears. We talked a while, after which she made me get into one of the chests, which she locked upon me. Presently the other units came back with a quantity of packages, and she fell to stowing them in the chests, which she locked down one by one, till all were shut. When all was done, the eunuchs embarked the chests in the boat, and made for the Lady Zubaydah's palace. With this, thought began to beset me, and I said to myself, Verily, thy lust and wantonness will be the death of thee, and the question is, after all, shalt thou win to thy wish or not? And I began to weep, boxed up as I was in the box, and suffering from cramp. And I prayed Allah that he deliver me from the dangerous strait I was in, whilst the boat gave not over going on till it reached the palace gate, where they lifted out the chests, and amongst them that in which I was. Then they carried them in, passing through a troop of eunuchs, guardians of the Harim and of the ladies behind the curtain, till they came to the post of the eunuch-in-chief, who started up from his slumbers and shouted to the damsel, "'What is in those chests?' "'They are full of wares for the Lady Zubaydah,' Open them, one by one, that I may see what is in them. And wherefore wouldst thou open them? Give me no words, and exceed not in talk. These chests must and shall be opened. So saying, he sprang to his feet, and the first which they brought to him to open was that wherein I was, and when I felt his hands upon it, my senses failed me, and I be-pissed myself in my funk, the water running out of the box. Then said she to the eunuch-in-chief, O steward, thou wilt cause me to be killed, and thyself too, for thou hast damaged goods worth ten thousand dinars. This chest contains coloured dresses and four-gallon flasks of zemzem water, and now one of them hath got unstoppered, and the water is running out over the clothes, and it will spoil their colours. The eunuch answered, Take up thy boxes, and get thee gone to the curse of God. So the slaves carried off all the chests, including mine, and hastened on with them, till suddenly I heard the voice of one say, Alack and alack, the caliph, the caliph! When that cry struck mine ears, I died in my skin, and said a saying which never yet shamed the sayer, There is no majesty and there is no might save in Allah, the glorious, the great. I, and only I, have brought this calamity upon myself. Presently I heard the caliph say to my mistress, A plague on thee, what is in those boxes? And she answered, Dresses for the Lady Zubaydah, whereupon he, Open them before me. When I heard this, I died my death outright, and said to myself, By Allah, today is the very last of my days in this world. If I come safe out of this, I am to marry her, and no more words. But detection stares me in the face, and my head is as good as stricken off. Then I repeated the profession of faith, saying, There is no God but the God, and Mohammed is the apostle of God. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say, her permitted say.